Welcome to Mystery House Sirens and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. Yes, and we are talking about the OC, and we are deep, deep in the jungles of this season. I was we in... are halfway through because there is 16 episodes. Yeah, exactly halfway through. And does it feel halfway through? Um, no, man. They spent a lot of time on nothing. On nothing. It's yeah. like they don't have an idea for this season. I I wonder if we're all if we're just sort of spoiled so much, by, not spoiled, but uh, affected by the way that most recent TV is made with very strong season arcs, mm, mm-hmm. and uh, the OC was is really made with like very s- mini arcs. Yeah, story arcs that like will s- kind of like overlap sometimes. But usually there's something that starts early on that comes back later. Well, I, I think also, especially about this season, is that, especially like like last episode, really kind of developed this hard line point between these two halves of the season. Yeah. Like... The beginning of the season was getting over Marissa. Yep. And this second part of the season is... Something? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I think I, we I know mean, what it is. It might is. be a something, <laughs> but it certainly is a something. Yeah, and that no. something is Taylor Tanston. Yeah, yeah. She at at this point it is I mean, not that she hasn't been beforehand, but it really feels now like she has put herself in the position that she will be in for the rest of the season and the series, I guess. And I feel like Taylor just like willed it into being. At the end of last season, she was like. I'm going to be a part of the core group. <laughs> Which unfortunately does mean we get a little bit of this episode of now that now that she's a main character, I mean, she has to occasionally take take a full grab hold of that dramatic ball <laughs> to and, that dramatic, the dramatic idiot ball. And they have done a thing where she repeats an insecurity where you're like, Taylor, we literally just had an episode with you throwing all of your insecurities <laughs> at the wall while in a mini coma. Yeah, yeah, it's... It it really feels like this <laughs> episode was some people trying things. You know what I feel like about this episode? A, this season's insane. Like, tonally, it's so different from anything else. This episode is equally tonally insane. Yeah, and totally insane. But B, um, I'm really reminded that these characters are teenagers. I know they look like grown adults, but the way that they grapple with things in this episode, I'm like, oh, yeah. You're still children. I mean, like, 18-year-olds, I know they're legal adults. I know mm. they can vote. But 18-year-olds are kids. I, I'm I'm not sure they always are, in this episode specifically, are grappling with things the way 18-year-olds are. Look at the <laughs> grappling with things the way characters in a TV show are. Mm. Without, without spoiling anything later, there's one point where I feel like the crux of the series is it is too loud for them to hear each other. And that's the, <laughs> that is the only reason why all this like dr- dramatic, tense things happened, was because it's just too loud. Well, there's something we need to remember. It's that I love Caitlyn. <laughs> and this episode makes me continue to love Caitlyn. They gave Caitlyn a thing to do, which is nice. That like They, they gave her a pretty decent character desire and which motivation. Which is a reasonable desire, which... Which is a good one. <laughs> I mean, I felt like it was kind of there, like, bubbling underneath. I, because I, how long have I talked about the fact that Caitlin is no one's child? Yeah, but I don't know if the show... Knew it was there, or if I just decided there. it was there. Yeah. Well, I mean, keep in mind, you've also seen this season, so I don't know how much of this is just subconscious, like... That's m- true. I remember nothing. <laughs> memories bubbling up from... <laughs> Everything I watch is astonishing to me. 
it, I've like blacked out and forgotten this season. It must be wild to see. Why is this all somewhat familiar but also totally different? And the premise of our show is that I know teen dramas and you don't, but... I don't know if that's always been the premise of our show. I think it's the idea that you understand the concepts of them. And now, four years later, we're somewhere else entirely. <laughs> well, it has been four years later, so let's uh, let's get into this because it is... Season 4, Episode 8, The Earth Girls Are Easy. The Earth Girls Are Easy. Which is a sweet reference to a 1988 Gina Davis film. Yeah, real, like, something their audience would get. (laughs) It was a reference to such a point that I'm like... It has to come up in the episode. Someone has to, like, mention the film starring Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum, Damon Waynes, and Jim Carrey. But instead, there's just aliens. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna say that. There's aliens. (laughs) (laughs) So, I kind of want to begin before we get into this, and just sort of preface, and ask you a question, Aaron. Because now that we're past the music break into the part where we actually talk about the show. Yeah. Do you feel like, for some reason, Seth is just extra trash this episode? Yeah, I thought Seth had <laughs> character growth. Where did all... This feels like this should have been a season one plot. Like, his specific and character like, things. We're skipping ahead a little bit, but I don't care. Seth explicitly says that his motivation and driving force is that this is his last nine months before he goes to college, so he wants to have no responsibilities. But that doesn't feel like the Seth that we had met at this point. Seth loves responsibilities. And I mean, I guess that could be interesting, that like you've had something to drive towards your entire life. And now he's gotten it. And now he's gotten it, but he can't start it yet. But But that's not the storyline. And that's not the way it's, it's phrased. And we'll hit these moments as we go through it, but we sort of begin... At we the middle. In media res, which is all like whack. Again, it's wacky. They're doing wacky things. People are saying their lines in wacky ways. It's wacky, and we get a lot of things in here quickly. We get that it is New Year's Eve. They're going to Vegas. Seth is nervous, and he's inserted himself into this trip. Yeah, Ryan and Taylor were going, but now Seth came too because he had no plans. But also, the girls are in the bathroom, and the girls are being weird, and the girls are in the bathroom holding a pregnancy test. And we don't know whose pregnancy test it is. They keep switching tests. They keep switching watches. They seem to think that the lines will only develop at exactly the second that it says, which is not how pregnancy tests I'm, work. I'm willing to give them the TV thing of you need a countdown. Well, and also it's reflective of the fact that it's New Year's Eve. Mm. Because when New Year's Eve actually happens, it just sort of slides by in the background. That's which, true. Which is a thing that I that shows usually usually when that New Year's Eve thing comes out, it's a full like. Well, and this, this is the moment things happen. Have they done a New Year's before? I am not sure. I think they've always taken a winter break and then came back. So, I mean, good on you, the OC, for turning something on its head. (laughs) So everything's reaching this point. Ryan wants uh, Seth to tell him what's going on. Summer and Taylor are in the bathroom counting down. We've not established they're at, like, a road stop. Like, they're at a service station. Yeah, I guess that's important. Yeah, they're at a desert Nevada service station. But then... It's not Nevada. They might still be in in, uh, California. Yeah, I don't know where... They are. Uh, They're in a desert. But then things get real wacky and we start running back in time. Yes, time reverses. 
Um, I had to watch this twice because I wanted to see what sort of things he's on there. There were certain scenes where they just blurred the characters out. I imagine because they were like, I want to do this cool rewind thing. But we don't want to spoil too much. So. So they're, so they're, so they're just full blurred out. <laughs> it's probably not even the actors. It's like the craft services girl wearing Summer's tank top. Oh, uh, who knows? So it reverses back to. Seven hours earlier. We've done this twice this season, and I don't think ever before on the OC. This is a real Riverdale plot device. Yeah, someone really likes this. Someone really likes this idea. And the the, the reason I, I just don't think it works is because the, the moment when we get to it... Is not the climax of the episode? It's not, yeah, it's not the climax, and it's just sort of like this random moment. That if, if you had not had that intro, that moment it, still would have hit as hard, I think. Yeah... But hey, you want to do a cool effect, sometimes you want to do a cool effect. So back seven hours earlier, Seth brings Ryan a coffee. He makes a joke about how it's the last coffee of 1996. Nope. What? 2006. (laughs) I don't know what happened in my brain. (laughs) Aaron. I made this show too old. Yeah. Well, you know what? This plot does seem like the plot of, like, a real 90s sitcom. So you've got to forgive me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in there. Uh, we learned that R- Ryan, the whole trip to Vegas is that Ryan is doing a surprise trip to Vegas. He's not going to tell Taylor where they're going. Taylor thinks they're just having breakfast and having a surprise. But Ryan, Ryan is really excited about his surprise. Yeah. Uh, we, we do this intercut thing. So you sort of get both sides of this conversation where Ryan has, has a surprise, but Taylor also has a surprise. Because she feels like surprises have to be equal so her surprise is lingerie but oh my god is that a bad surprise is that a trashy surprise which i didn't quite get would be her thing this episode but it's her thing this episode and the thing with taylor is taylor has always been like explicitly comfortable in her sexuality i i would i would call her sexually proud so i think what is implied here and i'm giving the show way too much credit yeah is that taylor actually likes ryan like taylor has always been a bit of like a a softie for anyone who likes her which Mm -hmm. is why she liked the korean guy last season why she liked the french guy this season yeah um but ryan ryan she likes and because she likes him she's overthinking all the things that she does which is like a superhuman a very superhuman, I mean, like a very human thing to do. Yeah, it's a Superman thing to do. <laughs> but unfortunately, like wrapped up in the parcel of this episode, it isn't quite given the little bit of nuance it needs. The, the things like a lot of the things that go on this episode feel like they require nuance. And this episode does not have nuance. It's Almost like we shouldn't have wasted an episode on that dumb Chrismica episode last episode. It, and we should have, like, worked on developing the relationships between the characters. Yeah, it's like maybe this episode should have been spread out over two episodes so both of these, like, character moments could have time to breathe. They do make reference to the fact they are both in a coma, but I still do not think that they will, that will there'll be any impact. There'll never be a moment where they Ryan and her... over their shared psychosis. <laughs> no, no, that's not going to happen. So we also learn during this intercut fun sequence that Seth and Summer have no plans because Seth has decided there will be no planning until college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is where we sort of get into the idea that Seth is real... In just in every possible way, it's like whoever decided to write Seth this episode hates him. He's just like really complacent 
in a way that Seth has never been. Not even complacent. He he will come off more of like a slack off, childish. Like, Which he's not. They, they, they're essentially turning him into like the lead of another sitcom, and then Summer into like the the beleaguered wife in this you know King of Queens show. Mm-hmm. So then we have a cute, cute. I wonder mm-hmm. if they got sitcom. I mean, I would I wouldn't be surprised if some of the writers who went to the writers room for the season are sitcom writers because some of the jokes are legitimately funny Sick jokes. Like, but then other ones are, are. But then the plot lines are. Like this weird Are the OC plot lines. Well, no, well, no. There are these weird rote sitcom plot lines done through the idea of drama, which doesn't. I will say work. Ryan makes this joke when he. So we have this like intercut scene where Ryan is opening his gift and Seth pretends he has a gift for Summer, which is weird. Clearly, just like like it's promotional like... stuff that's been shipped to the comic book store that he owns. Well, I thought he he just bought it from like. Uh, one of those kiosks in the middle of the mall. No, but he opens it from like a like a an Amazon shipping package, except it's clearly not Amazon. Yeah, it's it it seems like a like a prank, <laughs> which is weird. So I will say I do like the joke. Ryan opens up the lingerie and he goes, "Oh, but I already have this." And I'm like, Ryan, you're so funny when you're happy. Yeah. They by the way, they will drag the um. Oh, Ryan. Oh, the lingerie's for Ryan into the ground. It comes up so many times that they just... Though they do iterate it on pretty funny ways. Um, And then Seth, in this promotional material that he's received to the comic book store he owns, receives a t-shirt that says, Jamaican me crazy. And in a shocking turn of events, Summer <laughs> is not wooed by this promotional material. No, because he sets it up like I it's got. A gift. I got you a New Year's Eve. And gift. I'm sorry, when you're 18, New Year's Eve is a big deal. And the thing, the things that even last episode, Seth, not the one in the other world, but the one mm. who, in our world, mm-hmm. knows that he knows who he's dating. He he. We this season, he's known that. So that's that. Um, Ryan explains to Taylor they are going somewhere. Yeah. So she's back at the old Cooper Nichols Roberts house. Cooper Nichols Roberts Townsend house. Yeah. Mm. And she's packing. And for some reason, while she is packing up like her makeup and her toiletries, she just casually picks up a pregnancy test. No, it's tampons. Oh, it's tampons. She, she, oh, so wow. she picks up an unopened box of tampons. And then she starts flipping through her daytimer. Yeah, and so remember how the entire big thing at the beginning was like, oh, you don't know who, like, oh, whose pregnancy test is it? Who, which one, who's it going to be? It's like, oh, it's Taylor's. And then I'm like, I'm because the only reason, the only way now it could be Summer's is if Taylor is tracking Summer's period? So <laughs> I regret that I... It's the same color as the pregnancy test box, it is. Though, it's, right? It's very. When I first saw it, I thought pregnancy test, but it says in big, big letters, tampons. So I spent <laughs> this entire episode waiting to find out whose pregnancy test it actually was. Oh, no, no, no! It, it was it was an unopened <laughs> box. She she does mention it when she goes in to talk to. She Summer. does. I just assumed that happened off camera. I don't know. That's <laughs> no, fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, in a more distasteful storyline, if there could be one. I do not know how th- how we reached this point in, like, I know it's been, at this point it's been weeks. 
It yeah, because been... this was Christmas Eve, and now no, no, it was Christmas Eve in the last episode, and now it's New Year's Eve. No, no, no. I meant. Uh, oh, did the Spencer thing happen two episodes ago? No, Aaron. The the Spencer thing did happen two episodes ago, okay. and last episode they said it's been weeks. Right, since the episode before that. Yes. Okay. So it so it has been weeks. It's been probably a week after Christmas. Now it's New Year's Eve. So despite I mean, we the know fact, exactly how many days it's been since that because it's Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve, and we do know when Thanksgiving happened because that happened. So mm-hmm. it, it's been like three weeks. Anyway, yeah. Julie did not. <laughs> Shut down Spencer's inexplicable prostitution <laughs> ring. Clarify to Spencer the situation. Now, somehow they are both in this weird, terrible, breaking bad style cahoots. But, like, Julie is sort of trying to cover it in not well. But you know who's not trying to keep the fact that he's a prostitute secret? <laughs> Spencer. Spencer, loudly talking about it at some cafe. Well, some but- man. Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo, you know, Hercules. Is, is spying on him from Very a distance. obviously. And I want, to, I want to say something right now about Kevin Sorbo's character. We have been introduced to the strangest person in the OC. <laughs> what, you, we, it is unknowable <laughs> what his thing is. And I think even when we do, when it is revealed to us, like... I mean, well, we're not going to spoil it, obviously, but it is sort of, like, given, like, who he is eventually. But that doesn't explain it. And they're never going to explain why I think he did any of the things he's doing in this <laughs> Why is he, So he is he spying on Spencer? Or is he just overhearing prostitution and curious? No, it's he, unknowable. Yeah, I think he's spying on him because he's, like, writing in his own book. But we do see that Spencer's writing the book. Spencer is now, like, really part of this. And, and it all to the level where it's like Spencer just really likes being a gigolo, I guess. And Julie's like, oh, well, we got to stop having the pizza fantasy. Kirsten's going to get suspicious about how many pizzas we're buying. <laughs> we're so many pizzas. We are making so much money that I can't just enter it into our accounting <laughs> books as extra cash. I have to justify it somehow. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You need to they neither, wha- neither know how to, how to launder money. I will say, I am utterly shocked that Julie is entering this money into their legal books and not just putting it into her bank account. Well, because she hasn't... She, I guess they're writing checks, the, the, probably. Well, I mean, the problem would be there is that her... If she's not claiming it as income from her match service, which they would be able to clarify by talking to... The women. The, yeah. Well, not even just the women. By talking to Kirsten. Wouldn't the solution to be just to, like, say that she's offering some, like, very secretive extra service that's, like... Prostitution? I mean, it is prostitution. <laughs> we just say it's, like, oh, premier le- level service. Kirsten, I have to deliver this service because I'm single and you're a married woman. So I'm giving, like, single lady single lady advice. I mean, I solved her problem right there. Yeah, there's no way Kirsten would. I mean, Kirsten's smart. Yeah, there's no way that would work. It it is hilarious to me that Julie is. I mean, she's more concerned about Kirsten finding out, and more concerned about Kirsten than actually just like the police. Julie also does not appear to care about the money that she's making from this. Like that seems to make no difference to her. No, so- not not until Spencer brings it up. 
Like, so, so I, I don't, don't know. understand why she didn't stop it before this. Yeah, like, like it. He, her motivation doesn't come until weeks after she's been doing all. It's like if you were ro- like just robbing banks, just robbing banks, and then after you've robbed about ten banks, someone was like, like, oh, and don't you think about your daughter who needs all that treat, who needs all that money for her medical treatment? And you're like, oh, you're right. My daughter does need money for her medical treatment. Until this point, I've just been robbing banks for fun. I mean, I feel like it's like Julie was riding a bike and didn't know how to use the brake, so she just kept riding the bike. And then someone explained to her, now you're going too fast. Now you need to you need to keep pedaling. If you just stop, you'll hurt yourself. If you stop, you'll fly over you'll fly over the handlebars because you gotta make sure you grab the right brake. So also during this scene, we find out from a conversation between Julie Julie and Kirsten. That Jimmy Cooper, that great, great dad, promised his 15-year-old daughter that he would call her at midnight. Yeah. You know, the daughter he abandoned, the daughter he forgot existed numerous times on this TV show because we kept shouting, where's Caitlin? Remember, remember Jimmy's a good parent to Marissa. Jimmy is not a parent to Caitlin Not a parent to Caitlin. Good parent to Marissa. No, I mean. He tries to be a parent to Marissa, (laughs) but his version of being a good dad is I'm running away forever. Goodbye. Yeah, I I can never forgive him for the idea of being like, what you need is not, (laughs) what you need is not your father around. So Jimmy Cooper, world's best dad. And that was before he was like taking bets and getting beaten up. That was just him being like, I have to leave Marissa. It's my time. But then he did it again. Yeah. So uh, he can't call her at midnight because blah, 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 Jimmy reasons. <laughs> He's got a party on a boat and he'll be out of cell phone range. Cool. I hate you, Jimmy. She'll, she'll just pre-record a message. <laughs> she yeah, won't she know. She wouldn't know. I mean, I guess it'll be a conversation. If he didn't say that he wasn't going to call, she would get drunk with the wards. And he could play a recording. <laughs> well, also... Is he in the same time zone as them? It's unknowable. No, it's it's got to be that he's just in a different time zone. He's going to call her at her midnight. Meanwhile, for him, it's got... He's it, probably at Hawaii. I guess he'll be in Hawaii, yeah. Which is a different time zone, but... Yeah, but not by a whole lot. I thought he was still in Japan. I was like, no, no. He's gone to Hawaii now, so I think. Hawaii. Or Tahiti or something? <sighs> Who cares? So, um... Kirsten's like, Julie, I see you're doing bookkeeping. That's not in your skill set. How would I wrote the books? And Julie's like, no, I'll run the books. What if you die? And then Bullet comes in, so problem solved. <laughs> Kirsten has a very interesting arc this episode of just sort of wandering from place to place going, what is happening? She's like, I just want to do my job. And, and not even just from Julie, from everyone she interacts with. She's just like, what is going on? Nothing is right. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I know what's happening. This is where we get the first indication of what I what becomes sort of Caitlin's thing. And it's good they put it in here because it, it puts into focus some later scenes we see, which is that Julie says, you know, I know that Caitlin doesn't say it, but I think she really does miss her dad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah no, duh. she probably also misses you, Julie. Yeah, Julie, be a mother, <laughs> not a friend. I like the idea that she was like, I bet she misses, misses her dad. There's nothing I can do, her mother. Just... You know who else I bet she misses, Julie? Her sister. <laughs> she was like, no. Nah. No. Not just Kayla, bad. Kayla, it, it feels like Kay, like Kayla's arc should be that she has put up such a strong front that even her mother can't realize that she has feelings, I guess. That she's a child? <laughs> she's a child. And never has Caitlyn seemed like a child, but in this episode, she will seem like a child. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Bullet arrives loudly, as he always does. And insists that Julie come to his New Year's Eve party, <laughs> which he has invited her to 11 times. <laughs> yep. Is... 
his invitation says you and a hot guest <laughs> which is reminded me of where he goes when he says to sandy like ah she hot it's like his only way he knows how to describe people so it's they ask him people if they want to start 2007 with a bang which is apparently a joke he's been doing since like 87 like like 87 every year it's always start 88 with a bang start 89 with a bang you know you know what bullet sure I choose to think that the things that Bullet said two episodes ago don't exist. <laughs> Bullet uh, it just thinks that he can probably, like, you know, help Julie because, you know, she's so busy. He doesn't think she can make it. It's like, I'll get you, you know, an accountant. A bean counter is what he says. Everything he says is slang. Look, we, we cannot say the exact words that Bullet says because I cannot believe that Bullet knows he says those words. I think... He just sort of opens his mouth and sees what sounds come out. Now, Bullet would love to have sex with Julie, but he's not going to force her. He's been a patient man who's only gone on three dates with her. He, he, I, I, the one thing I do have to still constantly give to him is that at no point is he like, oh, I, I'm, I pay for this place. I deserve something for that. Not no. saying that, like, that, that, that makes him exceptional. He just makes him not trash. He really, though, just wants to make Julie's life easy, yeah. so she'll hang out with him. Yeah, he he does say that that when that when he when he did uh, invest in this place, he thought he'd just be able to hang out with her more, which is really sweet. <laughs> yep. So uh, Julie says she'll try to make it to that party, but do not hire her an accountant. Uh, we do get a quick uh, step in here with Sandy, who we will not be seeing for most of this episode. Sandy's going to be busy this episode, representing Daryl, who beat up a parking meter. Yeah, we don't learn it's Daryl until later. It's just the name that they'll be keep using. We never see Daryl. No. But he's also busy making sandwiches. Peanut butter sandwiches for Ryan. Yeah, he's making bagged lunches for Ryan's sex trip. <laughs> Ryan and Taylor are going to Vegas, and they need sandwiches for the drive. Look. Sandy is very aware of what's going to happen on but that trip. he is very <laughs> proud to be in charge of the sandwiches. But, but, but damn, damn boy, I'm going to make sure you have sandwiches. So Seth bonds with his dad a bit. He talks about his terrible storyline. Yeah, and he's like, well, wh- what do I do, Dad? Why... Why am I so dumb today? What is happening? His dad's like, oh my god, do New Year's Eve and make it personal. Have you regressed by two years? Seth. What is going on? You, this is, I do not have time for this, but. Seth, can only one of our children have growth? Ryan smiles and makes jokes now. Is that what took away all of your emotional (laughs) death? Do you two share a character arc? This is not fair. So he tells Seth to make New Year's Eve personal, but definitely, definitely, definitely do something for Summer. And Seth decides not to make it personal. So he's just gonna go to Vegas. He's just gonna insert himself into Ryan's trip. And he at least seems aware that he is intruding on the trip, but not really aware of how intrusive he is. Like, how much this what he's doing right now sucks for ryan who worked really hard on this and ryan is not like ryan is not a romance boy no no (sighs) so julie meets spencer in the car spencer points out that they need the money because they're gonna make forty thousand dollars each on new year's eve and also he lost his sex book yeah he lost his book of tricks uh, i could not care less about this story but at least they will they'll do this thing tonight which i guess is just a mass (laughs) how no 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 they're gonna burn everything down tomorrow it's fine it's fine they need the money they need 
the money because Neil could sell that house, which he won't because it's where his daughter lives. <laughs> yeah, but but I I I don't know if Spencer is supposed to be seen as manipulative or just as dumb as Bullet. Oh, Spencer is the dumbest boy. Yeah. He is dumber than Bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's just like more handsome. Well, I guess he's younger than Bullet, so he comes off as more handsome. But that but... means he's also dumber. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's a real himbo. So Bullet goes to meet with his friend, and his friend is that man who was staring at Spencer. In a wild scene, because for some reason now we're following Bullet's point of view. (laughs) He meets his friend in a hotel room. His friend is Frank. Yes, and Frank needs a job. It will never be clarified what his, like thing is what his skill set is but bullet says he's been waiting for frank to ask for a job for a long time and as frank knows he's got lots of projects on the go but he bets frank has a project in mind and now we did see frank looking at like creepy pi photos of julie before the scene started yeah, i thought he, he might be a private investigator i thought for a second that maybe bullet had like hired him to yes which i'm sure is what the show wanted us to think yeah but no instead all we really get of frank in this scene from what from from what bullet says and from what frank like implies is that Frank will just sweep in and Bullet wants to give him a job. He doesn't want to like hire him. He just wants to give him a job in like And in... like there's no clarification that Frank is an accountant. No, he he just a man of the Oh, well no, I saw this uh this Dayton service and the the thing is that this scene makes Bullet not like he's I don't know if they want us to feel for a while like Bullet's in on something, but he's not. He just seems like he's a guy who met an old friend and wants to help him. And give him any job. Because, once again, he's not hiring him to, like, anything. He's just like, oh, well, you know, what sort of job do you want? What do you want to do? All right. Well, unfortunately, um, as Bullet says, nah, Julie, Julie wants to do all the work there herself. And Frank's like, well, hope she changes her mind. And then we reveal that Frank is the one who stole the book. Ooh. Ooh. No duh. Clearly. So Taylor and Summer and Pancakes are hanging out. <laughs> well, Summer and Pancakes are hanging out, and in comes Taylor, being like, Summer, <laughs> attract your cycle. You're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, so we learned that it's Summer is pregnant because, <laughs> once again, everyone is accepting Taylor's thing. Taylor tracks Summer's period cycle. And I mean, to be fair, Taylor could not be pregnant. There has not been enough time. For once, the time frame on this show is very, very clear. I thought there was a chance. I mean, no, we do know the time zone. I was trying to think of if, like... I mean, I guess unless Taylor was very bad at her cycle, because she could be pregnant from before she ran away to France, from well, France. I, I was thinking she could be pregnant from France. Yeah, but Taylor seems like the like there's been more than a month since she came back. Yeah. And Taylor would know. Taylor probably knows if she's, like... 36 minutes late. Yeah, but this episode is full of people acting at, sort of outside uh, their, their thing. Anyway, ta- this is Taylor's moment to get really, really invested in this. So she explains how she knows, which is actually kind of reasonable. Yeah. She's not actually tracking Summer's cycle. She just, like, remembers the last time Summer had her period because she was there. And so assume she has to have a period at some point because she found an unopened tampon box. Yeah, yeah. And Summer's like, I'm just late. Oh, look, Seth is here. A distraction. <laughs> and Seth arrives 
<sighs> and this this scene sort of just slides by, but I also hate this Seth in this scene because he comes in with this weird like buzzy swagger. It's like we're actually going on we're, we're, summer. I have a surprise for you. We're going on a trip to Vegas with Ryan and Taylor. And Taylor goes. Ryan's taking me to Vegas? It is so sad. Which means Seth ruined the surpri- Ryan's surprise. And Taylor is, like, very excited about it. She's, but Seth, but Ryan didn't get to see it because Seth just swaggers in like a jerk. And, I mean, the I, audience knows I love Caitlyn, yeah. but I love Taylor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just such... A it's small, so a small thing. But awful. It, but it's it's such an indication of why is Seth such trash? Why do they make why him such? Why is he like this? Why is he like this? This episode, he he knows about spoiling surprises. Like him spoiling the surprise for Ryan is not something Seth would do. No, Seth cares about very little, but this is a thing he cares about, and he knows Ryan. He knows what Ryan's about. Yeah. We say this a lot of times. It's you can't re- creators can't really make a character act out of character unless very rarely. This is Seth acting out of character. There is no reason for him to behave in this way, and it does not track with what we know of Seth. Mm-hmm. So they all, uh, you know, so there's driving yeah. and they play a real 2000s song, but the slow version of it. It's, it's smile like you mean it's, it. Yeah, it's smile like you mean it in a in a, a very strange cover. And then, like, Taylor tries to manipulate pregnancy test things by being like, okay, bathroom break, bathroom break, bathroom break. (laughs) Yeah, once again, Taylor is very invested in this. Taylor also really, really thinks that Seth should know. And Mm -hmm. Summer is like, he's a child. He can't handle anything. And then it's revealed that he forgot his toothbrush. Yeah, so he says, like... The, the, this is the premise that comes up through this, uh, this entire thing is that Seth will always will be is the child. He's a child. He forgot his toothbrush, so he's going to have to. I mean, it is a surprise trip though, and like he can just buy a toothbrush in Vegas. Yeah, I know that, but it's it's another sign, like because the the look of that is he's him saying, "Oh, I forgot my toothbrush. I'm going to use my teeth." Is Summer looking at Taylor, and being like, "See, he's a child," which is dumb. And then. So during all of this nonsense, Taylor was, like, lying about what was in – oh, she wants her and Summer to be able to go to the bathroom together. Yeah. So she's like, oh, we have to test out the new toothpaste we have. And <laughs> Seth reaches for the toothpaste, and he sees the pregnancy test. And then, then Taylor, being a sweet, sweet angel, is like, yes, that's my toothpaste. Don't touch my toothpaste. <laughs> and then, like, gives him, like, a, like the look of, like, shh, don't say anything. And Seth chooses to be an idiot. <laughs> And we'll, of course, say something eventually. And also, Seth, the person who says the test belongs to them is never the person who the <laughs> test belongs to them. Come on. Yeah. 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 So this is setting up this Shakespearean uh, series of misunderstandings. In the one of two great scenes this episode, Caitlin and Bullet sneak into the Cohen Roberts Cooper Nichols house. Yep, Caitlin has helped Bullet finding this for Julie because Bullet thought she should have had the one with rhinestones, which immediately tells you the kind of thing that he was looking at. And I will say, because I'll forget to say this later, we do see Julie in this dress, and it looks amazing. Caitlin is very good. Are you sure it couldn't have been done with more rhinestones, Aaron? Caitlin is very good. <laughs> uh, Bullet. 
uh, in the scene, will invite Caitlyn to go to the party if she wants because because he has some Saudi princes coming who are her age. Now he asks her what she's up to, and she says, "Oh mm. no, my dad was supposed to call me, but he won't, so I have no plans." And Bullet does offer to teach her how to two step. Yeah. And never has Caitlyn seemed more like a child. Well, it's because now she has a dad. A dad. She has a parent. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out that this was the storyline they're going with. Because I thought it was just going just to be another one of those things where Kate, where because of how the show is written, Caitlyn always does things through Julie. Mm. She's inextricably always connected to Julie. This gives her a moment of this thing where she's not just like, oh, I like Bullet because Bullet likes you and good for you. And so she's like, no, Bullet could be my dad. At this point, anyone could be her dad, but <laughs> Bullet could be her dad. And Bullet seems good. <laughs> I like the idea of her walking around. Just, she goes to, I don't know, like the Mucho Burrito. And someone's like, someone's like, I'll give you some extra cheese just because we had some extra. And she's like, you, you could be my dad. Are you my father? Are, you want to be my dad? I'll help you make burritos. <laughs> I would be much more interested in Caitlyn if her thing is rather than flirting with guys who are much older than her is asking all of them to be her father. <laughs> <laughs> like she did jokingly to that one guy that said with Julie, but I wanted to be her like if she her thing with Spencer was like Spencer, so great you're teaching me all of this uh this tennis stuff. You want to be my dad? Be perfect. You could be my dad. Uh I'm not saying you have to marry Julie or even touch Julie, but you could be my dad. Everyone needs a father figure, Spencer, and you teach me how to tennis. <laughs> and later we can find my mother figure, because she is not where she should be. It might be Taylor. Do you like Taylor? <laughs> hey, Taylor. You can be my mom. And Taylor would be like, <gasps> yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caitlin's advice for Bull at the end of the scene is essentially to just ignore Julie. Which is accurate. Julie, Julie acts out for attention. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it's not bad advice in this situation, it is. It's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time it's correct. Absolutely. And then Bullet gives Caitlyn money to buy a dress to come to the party, <laughs> which is how Bullet shows love. And to be fair, I think that's also how Caitlyn Accepts love. Yeah, because I well, mean. because like Julie and Jimmy are her parents. Yeah, and they give her money. Yeah. I mean, she's, I mean, to be fair, once again, she is a child. She gets allowance. (laughs) (laughs) So, we have finally caught up almost to the pre-credits scene. We are now at this wayside station in Arizona or something. Um, They get out of the car. Uh, Taylor is trying to get Summer into the bathroom so they can do the pregnancy test. Ryan is trying to apologize because Taylor seems weird. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, we're going to have a great trip still. Seth's going to use Sandy's money to buy me, like, an amazing room. This scene feels very strange to me. Like, It is weird that Taylor responds to this scene. So Taylor responds to all Ryan's like, hey, it's cool. Yeah. We're still going to have a great romantic trip. Ryan, Seth already did say he was gonna, he's going to like use all of Sandy's money to get them the best room. In, which he should. Which he should. Um, and Sandy won't care. Sandy will love it. Yeah. He already made them those sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Those sex sandwiches. <laughs> um, but Taylor responds to all of this like outpouring of affection. Yeah. Not by just simply trying to get away from Ryan, which would yeah. make sense. She then says that they should not ever have sex. Presumably I, because she doesn't want to get pregnant. Yeah. It fe- but that never comes up again. It feels like that might be her, like her reasoning might be that like, oh, now that I've seen the ramifications through. She are, Taylor, you already did the sp- the, the teen pregnancy speech. We've yeah. seen it. <laughs> you already <Wait>. did it. 
is this a what? <laughs> oh, and like Taylor could get like this maybe if the storyline of the episode had something to do with Teresa coming back. The the problem I don't know. It just makes no sense. This <laughs> yeah, is not Taylor. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why this conversation happens right now. And like I would be. Fu- She's trying to get away from Ryan. She yeah. wants to go and do the pregnancy and this test. Is the only way she could, she could just be like, "It's fine, Ryan. It's fine, Ryan. I'm still happy." Anyway, I have to pee. Ryan, my urine. It's here. <laughs> what if she just peed herself right then? I mean, Taylor would. Taylor would. <laughs> Taylor would. She had extra pants in her purse. <laughs> so while this is going on, Seth is like a super weirdo because Seth thinks the pregnancy test is Taylor's, and I guess Seth. Oh, no, Seth is asking about, like, if they've ever, like, had sex and not known because they were drunk, which, Seth. Yeah, well, Seth is essentially at this point just trying to find, he he is the one who's leaping to, um, what do you call it, uh, leaping to conclusions yeah, yeah. and trying to find any way that he doesn't have to be like, dude, I think she's cheating on you. Because that's his first thought. Notably, it's not Ryan's first thought. Ryan never goes there in his head. <laughs> he never thinks that she's cheating on him. No. Ryan never thinks anyone is cheating on him. It's because no one has ever cheated on Ryan. And I, and I think, I don't know, Ryan deals with these situations incredibly well all the time. He, not every situation. But, like, he's often more level-headed than one should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also see an alien go by. Aliens. An alien. An alien. I mean, it's a woman wearing alien clothes, but that's never proven to us. We never see it take him off. Short scene. Julie comes back with more coffee. And also, Frank is there doing her accounting. <laughs> this is what I wrote down. So is Frank an accountant? What is What is Frank? <laughs> Why can he just get a job anywhere? <laughs> Bullet can just make him an accountant anywhere? Now, what I will say about Bullet, though, is that I do believe that Bullet does not care about Frank's... Skills? Skills. He, Bu- Bullet is the wa- is a walking version of nepotism. He just wants to give his friends jobs, yeah. but not Spencer, I guess. No, he did get Spencer. He did kind of get Spencer a job. He just True. doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> So now we are back where we started from. Literally that exact scene. But this time it goes further. Yes. Summer, she has a panic attack and they put the, they're, they're, they're like looking at the pregnancy test and eventually they just put it away and Summer has a panic attack. The alien girl has been overhearing all of this. And the alien girl thinks this is the perfect time to steal <laughs> Taylor's purse. <laughs> yeah. Why? This will never be explained. No, I mean, we... we I just like that she steals the purse and then goes to a party and takes the purse into the party. Yeah, no, this this alien girl may already be on Molly. Mm. But she grabs the purse and, like, runs out. And just as they're about to get ready to, you know, check to see, oh, actually, is a pregnancy test going on? We see outside and Seth has told Ryan that it's Taylor's pregnancy pregnancy test. test. And Ryan's like, huh. All right. Well, there's a lot of things we need to discuss in this situation. But they don't have time because Taylor comes running out of the bathroom. And their purse was stolen. Chase that alien. <laughs> that alien and that Camaro is driving away. So they chase the alien and then they're talking about how Seth is like, just cancel your credit cards and your phone and let's move on. No, no. There's, there's pills in there. There's my allergy pills. We need, we need to go. We need to go. And then Summer adds in, yes, she must take those allergy pills by midnight. For thematic reasons. Yeah, they'll they will 
Bill Collins will be referring to thematic reasons. But they are children. Yeah. And when you're children, New Year's means a lot. So they race throughout the, uh, the, the desert into the night. And they arrive at what I can only describe as a dis- desert warehouse alien party. Alien rave. I would say it's a desert warehouse alien disco. But go for it. It feels like a rave. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some drugs. Oh, they're for for sure all those people are on Molly and E. Now, the reason we call this an alien rave slash disco is because inside the party, everyone is dressed as an alien. Or are aliens. We're never proven otherwise. No one takes their costume off, even when they have sex. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What'd you learn this week? I decided to look something up because we've been talking a lot about this season of the OC mm. and how it, at certain moments, it actually kind of feels like... It's a different show? Well, no, I meant that they know that this might be their last season. Oh, yes. So I much. wanted to try to figure that out. From the sounds of it, no, they didn't. <laughs> now, what? Now, we have not hit, obviously, the end of this this season. Yeah. I think the idea is that ratings were failing so they so a lot of them had this idea it might be the last season but apparently it was not announced to be canceled until january and the final episode went up in february so many things are wild because we know there are eight episodes left which means that chrismica and new year's (laughs) happened i mean just before just before christmas like in december yeah, I mean, this would have been the last one of the year, and then they would have had probably... Like, three weeks off, maybe? I guess, like, I can't remember how they might, they might They might have be. had any time off, honestly. Yeah. Or they might they might have done the Chrismica and the... They um, have done the New Year's episode, like, right before Christmas, and just kind of had a little bit off set. Which is, which is fine. Um, but yeah, so... So, well, maybe they should have done a better first half of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's... There, there was, there was a lots of the four season that some people thought like, oh, it felt like the, or they wanted to sort of like go back to the original, a lot of the original things. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think you did. Uh, but it's just like they wasted so much time treading water about the whole Marissa death. Well, my my interest here is actually more in the fact like, okay, so would you? Because clearly you don't like the idea of these kids having to be separate. You did a lot of work to get them together, to get them back together again. Would you have just? pushed it for I mean, we haven't seen this series finale would you just push it for another year and found another reason for them all to remain they have to remain in in newport because it's, the show is the, the OC. show is called the oc they really like hamstrung themselves by having seth be so needy to go to the east coast yeah and uh, and at this point summer is like i have to go back to brown i have to finish what i've Sorry, there's no way that she would be like, actually, you know what? I'm finally going to Berkeley now. I mean, it would have turned out, I think, just as good if Seth had been like, look, I want to go to an Ivy League. Mm-hmm. I need to go to Stanford. Yeah. Because Stanford is the one in California, right? Oh, I have no idea, Aaron. There is an Ivy League school in California. I don't think it's Berkeley. I think it's Stanford. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing is, like, I don't know if if they had 
I mean, it wasn't. It felt like a lot of them believed it might be the last season, but you have to think that they might still at least somewhat have been planning a fifth season. Because they are driving a lot of things forward. Like, they're putting a lot of work into making um, Caitlyn mm-hmm. a thing. So, I mean, what, I wanted to bring this up just because I looked it up. We have not seen the series finale. Maybe it will seem very final. And they they tend to have their series finales, season finales actually be kind of open. Yeah, they're always like, well, this person walked off into the distance. When will they return? It's potential that they also might have done the thing where tells people see people feel people feel like their series are like going to maybe come to end that season. Mm. And I think this is just cruel to them to be like, oh, we didn't announce the cancellation until two like a month and a half before your s- season. Like, give them some time to reshoot and, like, retool the ending. So it's it's possible that they might have shot two different endings. Now, this is all supposition, obviously. Yeah, they yeah. might have shot two different endings so that they could be like, oh, we are canceled. Boom, this ending. Oh, we're not canceled. Boom, carry on forward. Because with a lot of shows, not shows like, you know, Modern Family that have been on for 10 years, but, like, these shorter shows, you can kind of change, like, the last five minutes. Yeah. And that changes it. So... I honestly don't remember. I think there's an earthquake at some point. <laughs> oh, man. It really feels... See, this is why I feel like it also sort of feels like a, like, a, like this is your final season. Because it sounds like they're just like, okay. Throwing everything at the wall. Let's do stuff. Let's do, a, let's do a pregnancy scare. Let's do a coma episode. I mean, the OC. Anything could happen. So we go now from a uh, desert rave to a... Bullet bash. Bullet bash. Yeah, it's good. Uh, at this bullet bash, though, for some reason, that is impossible. Uh, There's no way to know why anyone chose to do this, but every single one of those cougars brought their college student boyfriends to Bullet's party. And it sounds like, from that earlier conversation with Spencer and Julie... That was the plan? But I'm or- just going to talk about this now because it comes up so many times. Yeah. From Kirsten's understanding, they set up every single one of those women with dates to this party yeah. that were not the 20-year-olds. How did Julie think this would work? And Julie does kind of approach <laughs> Spencer and be like, hey, why are all the youths here? Like, I don't... I. Were they supposed to go on dates with the old guys and then meet up with the young guys later? It really, it really makes, it really makes me confused with the fact that it sometimes shows Julie and Spencer as being pseudo-competent in their whole breaking bad into the, into a prostitution ring thing. They're not. And then this, where they like (laughs) set up a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of dates at this party, which... It, it the thing is like like they're all they're almost treating them more like like almost escorts, it, it's a, but it really feels like these are just supposed to be like, you know, you go to a motel room and have sex, guys. Yeah, it's because the thing is like, oh, you know, I don't even know what the thing is. I I have no words this, for this storyline. Th- that's what I mean. This the the sequence, the steps that this storyline goes through in this episode make. No sense and are so poorly done that we can't even recap it. We can't describe it because we don't understand it at all. How it reached this point. 
Which I guess is why they didn't show us any of this. <laughs> so, like, we don't know how it got here. But wouldn't this be funny? I guess. No, also. Because it's certainly not plot specific. Also, during this short scene, Julia's like, hey, what's a Frank? And Spencer doesn't know who yeah, Frank is. Yeah, apparently Frank is a mystery. He thinks he's like CIA or Spec Ops, and not just that Spencer is not good at looking people up. Now, there is a cute short scene where Bullet <laughs> introduces Caitlin to the Saudi princes. I'm glad that you also like this scene. I, I don't know why it's, it's funny. It's so it's, Bullet. It's, but it's, it's also like, it's one single shot. Caitlin is like kind of weirded out, and Bullet explains how they got their names like this is Samir and I call him Sam and this and this is what's his name and this is Abbas and I call him Boss and then just sort of like looks between them and they're like and you're Caitlin yes Caitlin's like yeah Caitlin <laughs> and even he's he's not overly happy but they're just sort of like yep it's so cute <laughs> it, is, it is this wild <laughs> across the room shot it almost feels like it was partially improvised it's <laughs> So good. So good. So uh, back at the alien party, Taylor can has a coat. Y- so she wasn't wearing that before. No. Where did that come from? I think she put it on during the drive because now it's nighttime. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they, they've split up along a couple lines. Ryan tells Taylor that he he knows. And Taylor, for some reason, doesn't know what he means, despite the fact that Taylor said that it was her test yeah. and Taylor and he gives like enough details well no, she never said to him it was her test but she said in the car they that are it my, was hers my pills no when Seth looked at the test she said it was her toothpaste oh, yeah, she said her toothpaste I do not think Seth maybe no so Seth didn't tell Ryan in front of Taylor mm. but Ryan gives enough details in this scene about what he's talking about that like oh Taylor should have immediately Taylor figured it out she, she's it ta- very smart yeah so it takes her a while to to exactly parse on what it is and then she does figure out that it's you know it's the whole pregnancy test thing and then she really makes it she goes back to what i said that i didn't realize would be her thing this episode which is like oh no you do think i'm a slut you think that i that between and ron's like i don't care if you slept with somebody between when you divorced your husband and kissed me at did she did she say caitlin's house yeah, well, I mean, I guess it was Caitlyn's party, so in that situation, <laughs> the house was Caitlyn's. I think the house just changes ownership, like, based on whose storyline it is. Yeah, I'm like, Taylor, you, okay, whatever. You live there, but okay. Anyway, so he's really trying to be like, no, and she's like, no, I didn't do that. So then, did you sleep with someone while we were together? I mean, if you did, that's fine, and then she's like, because we never said we were exclusive. Like, no, how dare you? And no. I was like, I just don't know what's happening in this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, it's, this is what I mean by this entire sequence all happens because I have to believe things are loud, so they're not actually hearing each but other. There is, there's also no way that Taylor, Taylor would respond this way Yeah, to Ryan's, like, even keeled, let's yeah. have a meaningful discussion <laughs> about this. Yeah, like, at, like, don't get me wrong, at a certain point, Ryan does start to get somewhat heated, but that's because Taylor just starts just screaming, <laughs> screaming at him, you think I'm a slut, and he's like, no, I don't care, I just wanted you to tell me that you think you're pregnant, I already have dealt with a girl with a <laughs> Taylor, if you are pregnant, I will raise that child. <laughs> Taylor, you clearly weren't here for the Teresa thing. 
I'm here for you. Let me explain. If anyone is pregnant, I will raise their child. Taylor, you don't if know. If anyone, if Summer's pregnant, I'll raise her child. Now, Kevin, I have to point something out. Yeah. We're like 54 minutes into our recording. There's so much episode left. That was a lot of episode. Okay, um, we, we get a little bit here with uh, Kirsten arriving and like noticing all the gigolo dates and julie kind of like tries to hand wave at it but then luckily here's frank yep and he doesn't he he, you know he doesn't what do you call flip on her and tell everything that's going on which she takes is like she all she just like won the lottery she thinks she's invincible which of course not because later he comes up and just is like i actually did find out something so come to my hotel room for talk i don't know why frank does it in this way why does frank not well he says he's the one to embarrass her in front of her business partner but then why does frank invite her to his hotel room very like she does mention that he's like i'm not changing i'm not trading sex for size like that's not what it is like frank you Definitely made that seem like what it was going to be. You were all like, oh, the Four Seasons Rooms 406. (laughs) Frank. Uh, The rave, we sort of just get a whole bunch of secrets being uh, unleashed. So uh, Summer tells Seth why they need the purse. Seth wants to give Summer a high five that it's not them who's pregnant. (laughs) Can you imagine if it was our test? Once again, this seems on the nose. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Seth is not cool enough to make these jokes. Yeah. If Seth was Luke, yes. Yeah, this is a Luke thing that he's doing right now. Right now, he, right now, I think he would just keep it all inside. Anyway, of course, that makes Summer upset, at which point Seth finally lets go of the idiot ball. He finally figures out what's going on, and he tries to chase after her, but he cannot, for he meets a large man who we find out very quickly is dressed as Kid Chino. <laughs> yep. He's a he's a fan of Seth's comic. He's met him at the Comic Expo. He loves Atomic County yep. and he loves Seth. Let's get a photo. <laughs> yep. So we alluded to Frank telling Julie that he knows everything, but what we didn't say was that while he's a creep, Julie watches him be a creep. Caitlin. Caitlin watches him be a creep. And more importantly, while Caitlin watches him be a creep, the Saudi princes are, like, not very happy that she's not paying attention to them. It really like to make kissing. It really really sounds like they're like, do we kiss each other now? (laughs) It it does seem they're going to do that. Yeah, that that seems to be what they're implying. And Caitlin doesn't care now really the premise of this is just so Caitlin can overhear it so she can try to confront her mom and be like and she does try yeah and she's like what's this creepiness now julia because now this doesn't feel like the first time Caitlin someone has confronted julia as she's about to go cheat on somebody but she does come off differently this time it's true Caitlin still obviously doesn't know if she can trust her but Julie does come out with a, you have to trust me, which is a weird thing to say when you're about to go have sex with someone in a hotel room. But Caitlin, this time, also during this, Sandy arrives and mm-hmm. Kirsten's real distracted. She's like, there's this weird guy, Frank, and why are all these youths here? I don't understand what's going on at all today. And then Sandy meets Frank and is like, hmm. I also know that man. That man looks so familiar. I also don't know what's going on. But Kirsten, our storyline can't end right now. <laughs> Let's dance. Yeah. Their their premise this entire season is just, look how secure our relationship is. That means we can be a part of no storylines. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Speaking of dancing, back at the alien party, Taylor is dancing all up on some large alien. Yep, yep, some... She's drinking from his flask, and Ryan's like, no, the pregnancy! <laughs> Just want to talk. And then he then he learns that it's Summers, and Seth finds him. And then Summer just steals the car keys? Yeah, so Seth is in Summer's vague vicinity, and she decides the only solution is to steal Ryan's keys and steal Ryan's tailor. And abandon them in the desert. Now, luckily, Seth bemoans his fate. He moans, he Seths, he's useless. But then Ryan sees the alien. Ooh, so they could, I guess, get this figured out. I kind of get Summer abandoning Seth, but... Yeah, I guess Taylor's drunk. <laughs> yeah, Taylor was drinking. I mean, she'll be sober really quickly. <laughs> I think she's sober when we see them next. But for like five minutes, yeah, she's cause, drunk. Because they're sitting in the cars and she'd be like, oh, we're going to go look for a pharmacy. And, and at the, oh, by the way, this is when New Year's goes by. Yes. Yeah, so Summer, once she realizes that all this chaos is going on before she steals the keys, is like, well, I'm not going to find out if I'm pregnant or not before New Year's. That makes 2007 suck. <laughs> And then, and then Taylor, being very level-headed, is like, no, Summer, it's a new year. It can be anything. We can just decide. We can decide yeah. that we're going to approach our problems in a positive way, and we're going to have a great year. And then it doesn't clarify this until later. And then they go home and go to bed. So they do. <laughs> they do. Call the boys and tell them. <laughs> yes, that is that is a... They don't go back they, to get them. They don't turn around because they, at this point, they are like 10 minutes away. Yeah, they're not far. They're not far, but they will not go back. And we know they're not far because Ryan and Seth follow the alien, mm -hmm. who is now with the large alien who Taylor was dancing with. And they are going to have some real role-playing sex where he wants her to spell his alien name. And that is... Is the scene. <laughs> that is pretty much the scene. Well, Seth crawls around, tries to get the purse, then he gets a phone call from Taylor on Summer's phone mm -hmm. as he's under the sex table. Yep. And then they run into the night. And that large alien who loves his name to be spelled is chasing them. Yep. But fortunately... Kichino is there. Yes. With his sex aliens. <laughs> Seth has a fan. So I presume this is where, essentially, <laughs> on the phone with uh, Taylor or Summer or whoever did the calling, Ryan goes, no, nah, we're in the back of some fan. I guess he's going to, I have to imagine he's going to uh, near Newport. No, I think he just drives them there. Because he <laughs> at one point he's like, oh, just tell me where to drop you off anywhere. I'm your biggest fan. It's so I think Seth makes this big fan. Drive him to Newport. It is. It, I here's the thing. It's not very clear where they are, how far into like Nevada they've gotten. But the fact that the fact that Summer and Taylor leave and get over it actually rather quickly, and then just go home and go to bed. I'm really, really sad that they don't go to Vegas for Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. And uh, Ryan, Ryan set all this up. He and did it, so much work. And there's this great talk where, uh, where Ryan says to Seth, Seth, when you're thinking about like what's in, because they have the purse now, they could look yeah. at the pregnancy test. Is what's in there going to change your feelings for summer? And Seth says no, no. because duh. <laughs> Cut to a very, very foreshadowing shot of, like, rings on 
on fingers. I don't know if it's the woman in the... I think it's one of the alien girls, but it's impossible to know. Yeah, but it's just a random shot of rings on fingers, which should already be cluing you into what Seth's thinking. Kevin, this is not the OC we know and love. This is... (laughs) A different show. It is a different show. But hey, we do get at least one very cute scene with Caitlin and Bullet. So New Year's has happened. Yep. And Bullet is standing kind of sadly by the bar. He wants to know where Julie went. And, you know, some or Caitlin comes up and she's like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. My mom had a migraine. Mm-hmm. And Bullet's like, oh, man, I wish she had just told me. Yeah. Bullet, who is unflappable. Is just a tiny bit flapped. Yeah. Uh, Kaylin's not really interested in the princes. She's not really her thing. They want to take her to Dubai, but she doesn't want that. Yeah. Uh, but what she does want is... Bullet mentioned that numbers dance, I think is what she calls it. So Bullet teaches her how to two-step. And and this is the moment where I really, like, gl- like latched onto what actually was Caitlyn's storyline for this episode. I'm like, oh, she's got a new dad. And the best part is, while they're dancing, like, he does a couple spins with her, and he makes her spin him. Yeah. And they zoom out on the um, on the dancing. Yeah. And Caitlin is wearing a nice dress. Yeah. And we hadn't seen this before, but she's wearing leggings underneath her dress. <laughs> yeah. And it just, like, because Caitlin very rarely seems like a child. Yeah. She is smart beyond her years. I have no doubt that she could be the youngest freshman at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. But... In this scene, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's 15. It does seem... She's a kid. It does seem like her storyline, what I hope her storyline is for this episode, is kind of the opposite of what you get in all these teen dramas, where her storyline is... Because a lot of the storylines you get in teen dramas, like, oh, these kids have to learn to grow up. I kind of really hope her storyline is, oh, this kid has to learn to be a kid. She had a bad past. She had a bad past. I know her parents are rich, Mm -hmm. but, like... She went from, like, little girl riding pony to being abandoned by everyone who had ever loved her. Yeah, including the series. The series just abandoned her. She ran a boy fight club, and now she's come back, and now she's a woman who has run a boy fight club. Yeah, who has to learn to be a 15-year-old child. Oh, Caitlin. Uh, So, Ryan and Seth have driven home. Uh, home to uh, Summer and Taylor's house. They go to the same house. So Ryan... And Taylor, once again, just went to bed. Yep. Well, I mean, somehow... I don't get how did... it got here. So Taylor is in bed. Yes. And she's still a little bit mad at Ryan, but he apologizes. He apologizes for not... He's, he, Ryan says that he jumped to conclusions. I'm like, no, Ryan, you didn't. Seth jumped to conclusions. And then you tried to fit Seth's conclusions into your worldview in a way that you would still love Taylor. It's a weird situation where I I don't think Ryan not like I don't think Ryan actually has anything to apologize. I think the only thing he really has to apologize for is I'm sorry I believe Seth. Or I'm <laughs> sorry I tried to have a conversation with you about this in an alien rave party. Yeah. It would have been better to go outside. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't wait, I think is really his conversation. Like, I'm sorry I couldn't have waited until later. And to be fair, Taylor's response seems to also be like, yeah, we should have waited <laughs> to have this conversation. Yeah, neither of them have anything to apologize for. So it's this really weird conversation of two people who both really didn't do anything wrong. Just being like, yeah, that was a weird day. But somehow, through all of this nonsense, 
they seem to have decided that they're not quite ready to have sex yet because Taylor flips off the um the covers and she's wearing the lingerie and Ryan's like hey that's mine and then she's like well I'll, I'll share it with you or whatever some sexy yeah. joke but then they do agree like everything but so somehow in this storyline <laughs> what they decided was we're not ready for sex this this feels like a weird like, like after school special? Yeah. Oh, like, well, I guess you'll learn now that sex is, that sex isn't all it's cracked up to be. It's like, how? How did we learn that? In what way? All, all we learned is aliens. I guess when we saw the aliens having sex, this almost feels like the studio. Do, at some point, did the studio come down and be like, you can't keep showing teenagers have sex? There has not actually been that much teen sex on this show, I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think there has. Because every single time we learn they're about to have sex for the first time, we're like, what? That was the first time? <laughs> that was the first time? I just assumed they were having sex all those times. I don't know, dudes. I have no idea either. So while this is going on, Seth also goes to Summer's room to deliver the purse with the pregnancy test. And Seth, who has been trash this entire episode, like, this is, I guess, is the Seth redemption arc. Because this scene is, if you take in, I guess, all the stuff he did, he essentially comes in and is like, hey, so... I did suck, but... Yeah, he essentially clarifies that he actually... Like he, he's, he's like, I thought what Ryan said, it doesn't matter what's on the test because I love you and what changed how I feel about you. And he actually did not look at the test. And then, as was very <laughs> telegraphed by the rings we saw earlier, yeah, he proposes to her with a ring from a fan's finger. <laughs> it's an eyeball ring. Yeah. And Summer is like hesitant. And then he says, no, no, don't look at the test. Then we'll always wonder, did we only say yes because you're pregnant? Yeah. Which, I mean, as I said, like, in a, in a weird context, all this stuff is sweet. But as soon as you look it into, like, the view of the show and who these characters are. But then to make it even weirder, Summer says yes and looks displeased by her response. <laughs> yeah. And then they look at the test find out that it's negative and they both seem displeased <laughs> they just have like a hug each other and i'm like are we going somewhere with this and i think the show is trying to show us them like grappling with the changes in their life yeah because they're not they're not pregnant but they are engaged but instead it just seems like they're like oh we actually don't love each other at all it kind of feel it, it almost feels like the ending to the graduate where they sit on the bus together after running out of the wedding and driving off and they're like and their smiles fade, and it's actually very melancholic. Yeah. But but there's also parts of it that don't feel melancholic. It's hard. It's it's, it's really hard to pin down. I yeah. don't. I it, don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just because it's up against the other. So they had to like ride off the emotions of the other one. I don't know. Now to add a third contrast to this, Julie meets Frank in the hotel room she, and she would not like to have sex. She is a madam, not a whore. And then he's like, yo, I don't want sex. And she's like, 
what do you want? And this is all intercut with scenes of Sandy figuring out how he knows Frank. Yeah, he's looking through a file, and it doesn't show... It's obviously going to be Frank's file, and we see things like DUI, breaking and entering. Domestic violence. Uh, and Frank is talking to... Uh, it turns out this entire plan, talking to Julius, this entire plan is because he wants information on the Cohen family. Why? Well, because I'm not who I say I am. And I want to clarify, Frank, you've never said who you are. The show has not and, even said who you no are. At no point do I feel like you've... Here's the thing, Frank. I don't feel like you've lied to me. I feel like you just haven't said anything at all. I feel like no one asked you any questions. Yeah, so he's like, I'm not who I say I am. Cut to Sandy. Sandy closes the file. And the file says, Frank... Atwood. And then to clarify, in case you don't get it. Because you forgot a main character's last name. <laughs> Frank says, I'm Ryan's father. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we got that from the last. Thanks, Frank. And normally we both pick a CW moment. A moment where logic is superseded by drama. But in this episode, there can be no CW <laughs> moment. But Frank saying he's Ryan's father. Well, I mean, actually. Aaron. Hey, Kevin. Do you have a CW moment? Do I have a CW moment? Do I have a moment where Logic thought they were taking a romantic trip to Vegas to celebrate New Year's Eve, but instead all they had was an alien dance party? I mean, we've discussed so many. This has I have so many moments I checked out that could be a CW moment. I think though the moment I am selecting amidst the so many it could be is the girl alien, which is how she is credited. Yeah. Deciding like she did not go out to do a purse deal. Yeah. And it seems that the only reason that she decides to steal the purse is because Taylor and Summer are allowed? Yeah, it seems. It sounds like she probably wouldn't have sold their purse except for like I'm trying to think of the things they're saying. It, I almost there's no inclination that they're rich. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to think like okay, if you just look back, I guess the idea is maybe it sounded like they were <laughs> having sex. It seems that she is angry that Taylor opened the door to the bathroom and looked at her, so she steals the purse. No, and then takes the purse to a party, and then takes the purse. Into a party. And, like, she has to know that SUV is following her. Yeah, no, it's very clearly that SUV followed her all the way to the party because they're the two cars on a night road right behind each other. Like, it just, uh, there is nothing in my brain that can make any elements the, the, of that make the sense. I, the idea is that she, like, the idea that she is essentially trash who stole a woman's purse, just ran in the bathroom just because, like, she had a chance and she did it and then ran out and got in her car. But, the, the but like... The- Could they have not done the storyline where Taylor and the alien have the same purse and she takes the wrong one? Or or even if she stole the purse and then got away and they found out who she was because they found a fly that's like, oh, there's an alien rave going on in yeah. the desert. Because the, like, the, literally anything other than... The idea is that at a certain point, it feels like that alien woman should have cut her losses. Like, she she doesn't seem concerned that people are definitely 100% following her in a van. And, like, they've all seen her 
a lot. So yes, she's an alien party, but they're not all dressed up as the same alien. Yeah. I'm willing to give her the stealing a purse randomly because she, I think, maybe is supposed to be portrayed as somewhat, like... On drugs. Or I was thinking just, I guess, like, just alien... I mean, not alien, just, like, trashy? It's just... Redonkulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it. it the, the, the whole sequence makes very little sense. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? Yeah, it has to be that weird scene where Taylor decides actually we're not going to have sex in Vegas anymore because she's been confronted with pregnancy. Because Taylor didn't know the teen pregnancy was a thing, or or maybe because she's. I, I thought maybe it's like, oh, is she also giving up her romantic weekend to just hang out with Summer the entire time and make sure Summer's fine? Or is she just panicking and throwing anything at Ryan to make him stop talking to her? Like... And the fact that we don't know what her motivation is is a problem. And then that scene doesn't really, like, become a, a thing, thing. Because her her thing is that she's worried that Ryan will think she's a slut. Except that also her thing is that they don't have to have sex yet if they don't want to. Because that comes back at the end of the episode. Yeah, like, it, it, they're, they're wrapping, like, shows have never been great with, the, with portrayals of sex positivity. But this one feels, and Taylor has been actually very great at being sex positive. Yeah. But it feels like now that she's a main character, they have to find some ways to like, oh, actually, now we have to, we have to pull her back. We can't have, it, it feels like, it feels like, like some person from the broadcaster or from like the high of the productions came in and was like, hey, we can't have a main character be a slut. We have to. I'm like. Yeah, there's definitely, like, there's too many hands in the pot of Taylor's motivations. Yeah, because it's not, it's not clear enough for me to think that a showrunner or a writer decided this would be a thing. It feels like they had a certain storyline, and then somebody else came in and decided to mess it up because they have some moral high ground that they have to inject into, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know. That's just what, that's what, I, what I felt like. It really felt like something like that. And that's what made it this in this one specific scene make no sense. If it was something later, if it came up later, maybe. And it had been like brewing underneath, maybe. But instead, she suddenly was like, "No, actually, we can't have sex. I have to spend all my time with Summer." So something yeah. you may have taken from this is um, we had mixed feelings about <laughs> this episode. Yeah. If you had mixed feelings about this episode. Please tell us on the social media. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, and we're at gmail.com. Or if you have non mixed feelings about our podcast because we are smart, sex positive people, give us a rating and review and subscription on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. If you think we're smart, <laughs> we are smart. Then Come subscribe on. Subscribe to us. <laughs> I said if we're smart and sex positive. <laughs> but if we're only one of those things. Oh, no. We don't. have to be both. <laughs> we have to be both. All right. We'll see you next week. Will Seth and Summer really get married? Why has Frank returned? Are you my dad? What? I... For answers all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>